This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, we've got a whole slate of them, topics worthy of discussion with our panel, the Monday. You guys are my favorite Monday panel. Uh, Adrian Batra, editor-in-chief of the Toronto Sun. Good afternoon, Adrian. Great day for talk radio, John. Thank you. Mike Van Solen is a principal at Navigator. How's Mike? I'm doing great, John. Thanks for coming in. And Kim Wright is a vice president at Hill and Knowlton. How's Kim? Happy to be able to talk as part of talk radio. Good. It's pretty sexy. I'm not gonna lie. To talk you. radio. <laughs> sexy voice. Also, talk radio is pretty sexy. Yes. Look at you. <laughs> Notice how we said we're his favorite Monday panel. We're his only Monday panel. Shh, <laughs> look, why I, do you always have to dig look, into the sorry. details? I was my I'm mom's sorry. favorite daughter, and I'm her only daughter, so I'll take it. <laughs> All right. But for a while there, you felt good about yourself, didn't you? Absolutely. Why not? Why not? Well, tell me how you feel about this as a daughter. A mother, a sister, and uh, potentially a wife. I don't know the particulars, but look, women uh, have uh, obviously uh, been emboldened by Me Too uh, for good reason. But then there's this story out of Cleveland where a radio station playing Christmas songs exclusively, or I guess seasonal songs, uh, took a call from a concerned listener who thought that the song Baby It's Cold Outside, penned in 1944. Do we have a taste of that, Michael Downey? Roll music. Well, maybe just a half a drink more. Put some records on while I fall. The neighbors might But maybe it's bad out there. Say, what's in this no drink? Caps to be had out there. I wish I knew how. Your eyes are like stars to right break now. This spell. I'll take your hat. Your hair looks swell. I ought to say no, 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 Mind sir. if I move in closer. At least I'm going to say that I try. What's the sense of hurting my pride? I really can't Oh, stay. baby, don't hold out, baby. Oh, it's cold outside. Well, there you go. Uh, maybe the last time we play it, if the flood of complaints <laughs> is anything to go by in Cleveland. Well, there was a concerned listener, but other people have sort of uh, decided to lend weight or credence to the complaint, including their afternoon host, Glenn Anderson, who said he didn't really understand understand why the lyrics seemed bad until I read them and uh, then now he's had a, an epiphany and he believes that uh, this is improper and even the Cleveland Rape Crisis Center president weighed in said uh, the station's decision no, to no longer play the holiday song is the right one uh, because it's 2018 and this song glorifies or is I guess in some way uh, accepting that uh, there's a lack of consent mm. at work here. What do you make of that, Kim, right? Do you think the song should be next? Look, the song, the lyrics, you know, when you start to unpack it, the, it look, it's it's been a last, well before Me Too. People have called this a bit of a date rape song oh. uh, that, uh, you know, it, it sounds an awful lot like, hey, what's in this drink? Uh, look, I'm glad people are unpacking lyrics. I'm glad people are talking about language. I'm glad people are talking about consent. I think all of these things are important. Uh, and, yeah, does everyone kind of now listen to that song with with a 2018 filter? Go, hmm, maybe maybe it's a little weird, uh, but but again, is it deserving to be pulled? In other words, I mean, it's crossed the line uh, and it's under the rubric of Me Too, considered to be uh, something that needs to be taken seriously. Mike Van Solen. Look, I, I think you need a degree in postmodern literature uh, interpretation to really sort of unpack all the different layers of this thing. I always took the song. I've never thought about it much before this weekend, and I heard this story. I thought it was sort of a, a 
catchy tune with a bit of a playful flirtation. I don't know where flirtation is anymore in, in this day and age. Not allowed. Uh, um, so uh, look, I get it. You can look at all those lyrics and you can you can try to, uh, as you as you talk about, uh, impose our 2018 values, I suppose, on it. But I always thought it was a catchy little jingle. I understand it was actually, uh, as you learn when you when these stories come up, you learn it was actually performed by a husband and wife uh, a, a singer uh, combo when it was originally penned and they did that they dined out that on it for years before it eventually got recorded. Uh, it seems innocent to me. I guess if you want to, you want to really sort of be judgmental in sort of a 2018 way, you can you can find problems with it. But well, that's the I question. Hope, I hope it still gets played. It, you know, I, people are apt to find problems with it, or at least some folks. The one listener did. Uh, does this merit uh, a new consideration and no. even nixing the no. song? No, no, no. If this is as stupid as those idiots that said last week that Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer shouldn't be played to children because it was uh, not a good reflection of how to deal with bullying. I mean, it's just absurd. Uh, and if we want to unpack lyrics, then it's just fine. Then we're going to ban pretty much every rap song that has been made in the last decade. Mm. We're going to ban the Beatles song, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, because they're talking about LSD. Uh, I remember when the sad uh, the floods were happening and the, tor- and the hurricane happened in New Orleans. They didn't want to play the Tragically Hip song because it had the, the lyric that New Orleans is sinking and mm. I don't want to swim. This is excessive. This is ridiculous and yet another example of people going way too far, way too much time on their hands. I understand that there are reflections that we have in 2018, in 2020, etc. But this is um, one of those things they're focusing on certain aspects of the song where I think 99.9% of the people just purely focus on the chorus where they're talking about how cold it is outside. And it's a nice melody. Move on, people. You said excessive. I just got reminded of In Excess and uh, Six Months in a Leaky Boat. Remember that song in the early 80s when uh, the Falkland War was raging and the General Belgrano was sent to the bottom by the British Navy? And uh, radio station stopped When Margaret Thatcher was prime minister, yes. I just spent six months in a leaky boat. That was no longer considered appropriate. That wasn't In Excess, though. Who was it? Six months in a leaky boat was not in excess. Okay, I, I could be wrong. I'm not Alexa. I, 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 I can't tell you. I what thought the it was is. an Aussie uh, pop band. Anyway, uh, could have been a hair band, so you would know. Let's ask. Google. All right, Crowded House. <laughs> Crowded House. Split ends. There you go. There uh, you I knew it had to do with a hair band. <laughs> so, all right. Let me get let me get to a more serious consideration, if you will. Uh, we've got Justin Trudeau. He was tweeting on the weekend. There was this big confab. I guess it was a concert of sorts for Nelson Mandela's 100th birthday anniversary in Johannesburg. And uh, Trevor Noah was the host. And during the proceedings, uh, Justin Trudeau tweeted to Noah that... Uh, Education Cannot Wait, this organization that funds education for children affected by conflicts, natural disasters, and other crises, would get help from the Canadian government to the tune of $50 million. Uh, sorry I can't be with you, Justin said, but how about Canada pledges $50 million to Education Cannot Wait to support education for women and girls around the world? Work for you? Let's do it. I want to get your reaction to that in just a moment. Uh, is this some kind of uh, great PR gambit insofar as, you know, he's showing himself to be a global statesman? Or is it grandstanding uh, that doesn't actually do him justice in a moment? We'll get to our panel, Adrian Batra, Mike Van Sol, and Kim Wright here on The Oakley Show.
All right, let's return to the fray with Adrian Batro, Mike Van Solen, and Kim Wright, and Justin Trudeau having tweeted on the weekend at a concert in Johannesburg, South Africa, hosted by Trevor Noah. He of The Daily Show in the U.S. of A., and, of course, it's seen here, too. But uh, Justin's tweet to uh, help out young girls with $50 million in uh, education cannot wait support of a $400 million package, the Liberals say. But, uh, you know, it's not so much... Unless you want to believe that uh, maybe this was uh, an inappropriate amount to uh, earmark for the cause, or was it more to do with how it was executed and Justin Trudeau making sure the tweet was sent to a concert, you know, big screens on the stage and everything, and uh, suddenly the room erupts. Adrian Batra, what is your thought? It's just one more indication to me how unserious of a prime minister Justin Trudeau is, and he talks about it as if it's his own money, even though he said Canada pledges. He just talks about our our money as if it's his own piggy bank to um, just use as he feels is necessary. And we can quibble with the the validity of the of the subject matter. Canada already commits hundreds of millions of dollars to to concerns and causes such as this. This just to me is indicative of him yet again trying to distract from the realities of what's going on in his own backyard. And latching onto a celebrity. And it's unsurprising to me. Barack Obama used to do this all the time. When things weren't going so well in the House and Congress, Barack Obama would go to Hollywood all the time and do a fundraiser and stand shoulder to shoulder with George Clooney to distract from other things. Justin Trudeau is not dissimilar to that. Well, you know, but it worked for Barack Obama. So my question, my question is, is it working for Justin? I mean, is it possible that some of us who are a little more cynical about these things or uh, we tend to have a filter that sees grandstanding for what it is, it may just work with, you know, the common folk. The hoi polloi might be buying this Mike Van Sol. No, I don't think so. I, I think the fancy people, uh, you know, <laughs> Justin's constituency, hardcore constituency of people probably are fine with it and really like it. I think it's a really, it's a big problem when across this country, the economy is struggling, when there's people out in Calgary and Alberta who are who are wondering, where the hell is my pipeline? When are you going to do something serious with that? When we have auto workers here in the province who are wondering whether the government's really going to do something meaningful to allow manufacturing to come back in a real way. When people are looking for serious leadership, this stuff just doesn't play. And if I were to zoom out a little bit more, I think, you know, it also, what bugs me about it that hasn't, I haven't heard much much discussed yet, is there is this small Canadian thing where we always sort of look for, you know, if the Americans or the fancy people say, you know, uh, you know, embrace our stars or say we're doing well, then we're good with them. And we look, we seek that validation too often. And I just think Canadians should be more proud of, of what we do on its own basis. Uh, we should seek uh, confirmation from uh, our peers, from Canadians across the country. Um, but trying to look to Hollywood to uh, sort of pat us on the back just seems too small. And for a country, that's so great. All right. So he was sucking up. But, uh, you know, the idea that he's presenting himself as a globalist statesman. And uh, was this a victory for him then in that regard, Kim Wright? Or does he look like, uh, you know, as we've just heard from Adrian and Mike, uh, it's not fooling anybody. He looks pretty shallow with this, Ooh. frankly. Uh this is a great cause and an organization and deserve, and this amount of uh, aid in this, uh, frankly, deserves a lot more than a tweet by the prime minister of, hey, Trevor Noah, look, at the end of the day, I want my prime minister to be more prime ministerial. And there are big problems and there are big issues, especially for women and girls around the world. And I 
expect more from my prime minister than just, hey, I'm going to whip out my iPhone and uh, and tweet this so I can be up on the big screen but not be a real world leader about these things. The same way I don't think it's appropriate that the president of the United States uses his Twitter feed just for random off the cuff uh, terrible things. I think this isn't uh, this isn't a telethon that uh, the prime minister was uh, you know pledging mm. into. He was committing Canada to a large amount of money and and to a large program around the world, and it deserved far more than a flippant tweet. All right, it seems superficial is the point, I guess. Uh, let me ask about other. PR moves, whether or not this was a good one on the part of Doug Ford, because on the weekend there were apparently thousands of uh, Franco-Ontarians gathered up in Ottawa to protest, amongst other things, the closing of this Franco-Ontario University planned by Kathleen Wynne in the latter stages of the uh, recently completed election campaign, and also the uh, French language watchdog, which has kind of been folded into the ombudsman's office. Complete with staff intact, but uh, Franco-Ontarians are making a point of saying that uh, Doug Ford is tone deaf to, you know, a 4% uh, of the populace and uh, Franco-Ontarians and so on and so forth. Adrian, did he drop the ball here or is this something that, uh, you know, how do do you see this, first of all? How do you close something that was never opened? How do you close something that never had any funding behind it? And not only that, there are 12 other post-secondary institutions all around this province that are Franco-Ontarian friendly, that are French friendly already. Kathleen Wynne suggested or proposed this university in a last-ditch effort in her last budget with no money behind it, with no thought behind it. Just a vote Just a yet, or yet another, uh, the multitude of things that they were promising. And for those that are um, on the conservative side of the the political aisle that may feel some consternation about this, I would submit to any one of those MPPs, including that one that um, cowardly quit the Tory caucus last week, not once did this individual say during the general election that this was a campaign issue. I understand that there are concerns and that they just want to point their fingers at Doug Ford for whatever reason. 4% of the population, I get that. They vote they go out and they and they can make their voices heard. No question. Uh, and then last week we had this big Franco summit that Andrew Shear called, and I, I just find it I find it just patently absurd that we're not getting back to the real issue here, and that is a promised university that had no money behind it and probably wasn't going to get built in the first well, place. And there are several promised universities that were part of this. So not only was the Franco Ontarian. Uh, university canceled, but also uh, the Laurier campus at Milton, York at York. The satellite. The satellite. Again, no the, sa- the satellite. So these, it's not these, like he these, sold these, out Franco-Ontarians no, here. He he absolutely, by cutting the advocate position for Franco-Ontarians, but also more what, uh, what offends me out of this is him cutting the child and youth advocate program out of, the, out of uh, having a, a standalone office. That program did some tremendous work for our most vulnerable uh, kids, especially kids who were being who were going through the adoption process and and, a number, and especially on the indigenous side of things. This was an office that had been in place since the mid seventies and had done a lot of great work, but uh, that, right. that uh, came off the table as well. There were a whole bunch of things well, in the, that. A in, lot of things are coming off the table when you've got a square of fifteen billion well, dollar deficit, as well as uh, you know when at, you've got at a debt. some point though. Do you? Do you have to look at all these programs and say, what are the right things to keep? 
And I would I would say that uh, there are some things that got cut in the budget and the fall economic right. statement the, the, that should be The reason be I cut. brought up the Franco uh, Ontarian University is because the demonstration that took place in Ottawa is again reminiscent of uh, folks who believe that, and a lot of it has to do with identity politics, that somehow this minority is second class, relegated to second class status, and that's the the card that they're playing or how they're positioning that. No validity to that complaint there, Mike? Well, there is no validity. The The reality is that as a province, we're doing a great job of, of providing uh, people with French educations. Uh, there's more people involved in French immersion than ever before or after school, French care. Um, our stat, as a province, we're actually doing really great. Uh, French immersion uh, schooling at, at the public education at, at the uh, elementary school level has never had more enrollment. So um, I think we're doing great. But what we can't do is fund a university that we don't have money for. And, and a new flash there's going to be other groups who are going to be uh, hurt in the in the coming days because they were promised things by the previous government and there is just no money there will be hard cho- hard choices to be made there will be groups who are doing ostensibly doing good things to help uh, people in need and um, there's not going to be enough money so there's going to be have to be difficult choices I expect we will have further protests and, and groups who are aggrieved by decisions that have been made but there was a commitment made by this province uh, in choosing Doug Ford as premier to bring things back uh, to fiscal balance, to be more responsible with taxpayers' money. So we're gonna. This is gonna play out a little bit. It seems like a no-brainer to choose to close a university that had never actually opened. Back into a topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville with Adrian Batter, Mike Van Solen, and Kim Wright. You know we were talking about prioritizing things as the uh, prime minister. Oil in Alberta doesn't seem to be making his radar. We talked about it last hour and uh, how this is having a deleterious effect on the whole economy of the country. Rachel Notley earlier today sounding the uh, alarm that she's got to cut oil production by 8.7% to increase the price of a barrel above, you know, the cost of uh, making it, uh, I guess, uh, inappropriate to extract. and it went up, I guess, about $9 today, according to uh, Dan McTague, who was with us last hour. Adrian, let me ask mm-hmm. you about this, because, uh, first of all, it sounds to me like it's folly on the part of the liberals, the federal liberals. They're missing the boat on the, it's It looks like an Achilles heel waiting to be exploited in the ne- next election. Am I wrong? As, no, you're not wrong. As long as there's a liberals are in power in Ottawa, Alberta will sadly suffer regardless of who the provincial government is. And in this instance, it happens to be an NDP government. So last week, Jason Kenney, who's the leader of the United Conservative Party, who will likely be the next premier of Alberta come May, um, did write an op-ed in the Calgary Sun talking about the fact that as much as he's a free market conservative, but this has come to a point where it actually needs some semblance of government intervention. And he had suggested at the time that the production needed to be cut in order, you know, the supply was there, but the demand hadn't been there. Right. Um, and so Rachel Notley, to her credit, even though she came to Ottawa last week and did not ask for a meeting with the prime minister, and shockingly, the prime minister's office did not proffer uh, a meeting either with Alberta. Um, you know, she talked about buying rail cars and, and, and that they're going to start transporting that way because the pipelines aren't getting developed. Yes, this is going to be very much be an election issue. Some of the oil companies are very much on board with the premier of what, of, what Ms. Notley has decided. Some oil companies will continue to thumb their nose at it and still sell at bottom barrel rates, so to speak, and mm-hmm. make and still continue to make a profit. But uh, this is hopefully a short term solution to what is a long term problem, and that is really to um, develop our uh, natural resources in a safe and ethical way, which Alberta oil is. 
And um, for those in Quebec that have stopped and blockaded pipelines, when Alberta can no longer send you transfer payments, how the heck are you going to start paying for your social services? Think about that. Well, I'm not sure that they have thought it through, but I'm surprised that the government, because you would think that they would understand the broader implications for all Canadians and they don't seem to be proactive on this. This pipeline, I don't know if it'll be built in our lifetime. Uh, and to the point you made, Adrian, Rachel Notley went out and had to buy or is about to a thousand rail cars to move the stuff because she's not confident the pipeline will be brought on stream anytime soon. Why are the liberals playing this game? This is a dangerous uh, matter and it implicate, you know, it impacts all Canadians. Uh, Kim Wright, maybe you've got the insight here to tell us why would the liberals be lacking in response. Look, they've done the calculus for generations about how to get themselves elected to a government without winning in Alberta. And frankly, that's uh, the, it goes back to the National Energy Plan and, and Trudeau the senior. Uh, Prime Minister Trudeau was in Calgary last week or the week before, uh, did not exactly get a warm and fuzzy uh love in uh, that he was hoping for from the business community and rightfully so given what's happening out there uh you know i don't i don't know why there wasn't a, a meeting offered up or 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 asked for but frankly i wouldn't want to be uh, rachel notley standing on stage with him right now without him figuring out how to build me my pipeline and but to to going back to what's happening for 2019 they've done the math They've uh, figured out how to how what their electoral calculus looks like without winning in Alberta. Well, except that uh, as more Canadians caught into yeah. the idea that this impacts all of us, including a lot of manufacturing here in Ontario that supplies the oil industry, uh, and these transfer payments of which Adrian spoke, uh, they're only made possible by Alberta having a flourishing and uh, robust economy based on petroleum. Mike Van Solen, uh, why are they so short-sighted? I don't know. You know, I, I really wonder what their faith is in market capitalism, period. Uh, they just don't, don't seem to be committed to helping this economy flourish. They are really good at a lot of other things, virtue signaling, uh, rolling out social programs, uh, spending more, more money than we have. Um, but, you know, they haven't been really great at just providing the supports needed in key sectors of the economy across the country. Um, you know, in, in the last election, Justin Trudeau made a promise to Canadians. And he said, I, I'm going to be able to build pipelines because I'm going to be able to get social license. I'm going to work with the First Nations communities. Uh, and as well, I'm going to be able to get uh, bring in a climate plan. So that's going to make sure, with those two things in hand, I will be able to build major resource uh, projects like pipelines. But he struck out on on all those counts, really. Uh, all, the, all the provinces are, are challenging the carbon plan that they have. The First Nations communities have not been happy with the engagement that they've seen from the federal government. Uh, and there's no pipeline. So, uh, look, I think... Uh, as, as Canadians outside of Alberta start understanding the importance of that sector to the economy, that really we have a bit of a petrodollar. And once we start feeling that as well, um, I think more Canadians will cotton on to the fact that this government has not been able to deliver on the economic side of the agenda. And if I could make a nonpartisan note as well, I think Rachel Notley, I do believe Jason Kenney will ultimately win, but I thought she's been really eloquent the last couple of weeks in, in talking about the, the situation they find themselves in. Her line that we ride horses, not unicorns was great. So she's she's been really great. I think Jason will be great as well. Um, but uh, the federal government is completely missing in action on this file. I just want to add one more point because everything that Kim and Mike have said is, is spot on. But 
there is one very underreported part to this. One of the considerations that the liberals have always said is we're going to go get broad uh, support for this. And then we had the Supreme Court ruling. There are 63 Aboriginal communities in Western Canada that are very much on board with the pipelines, Mm -hmm. all the development of the pipelines. They've been negotiated. They have been consulted. They have been talked to. They have been um, part of the process. That doesn't get discussed. That doesn't get um, brought to the forefront. It's so easy for those that would rather complain and say and blockade it. And then we have all this American advocacy money coming in to block our, our pipeline development. Um, that's far more sexy and interesting to cover than the reality that how beneficial many of these pipelines and any of the development would be for, for our Aboriginal communities. And well, the First Nations communities that are uh, directly in the line of the pipeline are in support of. Mm-hmm. It's right. ones that are, you know, further removed uh, who seem to be the spanner yeah. in the works. It was but, the same story, story with no, uh, Northern Gateway as well. And like, energy. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and it goes back to the, the calculus of he, he feel the, the prime minister and his team feel they can win more seats in British Columbia than they can in other places. Right, by keeping it in the ground and uh, sort of which, reducing the carbon footprint. Which, but, which isn't governing, that's just playing politics. Sure, but you know, it's also uh, the legalization of pot, I guess, is where he's prioritized things. Now, it's interesting because communities here in Ontario have until January 22nd to decide whether or not they want bricks and mortar dispensaries placed in their communities. And uh, if you say no at first, you can always come on later. But uh, if you come on and then cancel, uh, you'll never get uh, the opportunity to do that. A lot of places like uh, King Township, uh, Oakville, Richmond Hill, Markham have decided against this. Does that make sense to you? I mean, uh, or the argument is people will just go across the street, like on Steeles Avenue in Toronto, and there will be all kinds of shops set up there. Uh Adrian Batra, do you see anybody of these mayors like Scarpitti up there in Markham saying, no, uh, we don't want this, or Richmond Hill, we don't want this? Are they just shoveling sand against the tide? A little bit of both. I I think there will be some that will say no. Um, It's it's not a reasonable answer because, as you said, they literally could just walk across the street and get whatever it is that they want. Um, This whole notion of any municipality being able to opt out is not born out of the issue of legalization of marijuana. It goes back further to when the liberals were putting in the green, like when they implemented the Green Energy Act and forced certain things upon municipalities. When Doug Ford was running and when the conservatives were running in general, they had suggested for broad issues of public policy that that will reflect or affect any municipality, you are going to have the opportunity to opt out. So this is more about that. But it's not a reason. It's not unreasonable to proffer the choice. I just don't think it's reasonable for any municipality to say we're not going to do it. And in disclosure, I do a lot of work for cannabis companies. But I will tell you in talking to municipalities across the province, one, if you opt out, uh, you get no access to the uh, the legalization implementation fund, which is $40 million right off the top of money spread around the province. Uh, but more importantly, what we've seen in the discussions around with uh, in other jurisdictions where we have uh, retail allowed, people are actually doing this as a public education. You, you're seeing where seniors are coming into cannabis stores and wanting to understand CBDs and how does that work and what could it be done. Uh, you're seeing... How do you move from an opioid to to other products? What can this do for anxiety? What can this do? It's really a public education component. And frankly, for any community that thinks that because 
they're not allowing legal uh, operators to come in, that all of a sudden their dispensary problems will magically and mystically go away. Well, they're delusional, frankly, because they're still going to, they'll be there. But when you have legal operators running safe programs uh, that have the security measures that you expect and the retail programs that you expect, that's when you can actually shine a light on this and making sure that you've got safe product in a in a proper way. All right. Well, almost started to sound like the safe injection site argument. Uh, we've got to let you go on that note. We're out of time, but I appreciate everyone showing up and uh, bringing their A game on this Monday afternoon. Topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville. Adrian Batra, Mike Van Solen, Kim Wright. We'll do it again next Monday. Thank you Thanks, so much. John. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.